for joining us today. This podcast is brought to you by our two wonderful hostesses, Stephanie and Miranda. Special shout out to Stephen for being an amazing producer and to our outstanding advisor, Nathaniel. Check out our next episode to hear all about the Be Proud brand to get an insight on the creator's mind. Thank you. So let's get started. So hello, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We're really excited to uh, start this off. Um, I guess just to, you know, kickstart it all off, just how about you tell us a little about yourself, introduce us to the audience and tell us a little about your story. All right. Hello, everyone. So my name is Panya Watai Cheng. Uh, I go by Pana. I am an international student from Phnom Penh City, Cambodia. And I recently just graduated from the Bachelor Degrees of Accounting at Portland State University, class of 2021. And right now I have a little break here before I starting my full-time job as an auditor at Ernst & Young this August. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, and my uh, little story here, I would say, Looking back to March um, 2017, when I first got to PSU, um, it was my first time leaving my beloved family and friends in Cambodia. So I feel a little lost, I would say. But then uh, starting the program with the intensive English language program at PSU, where um, I meet a lot of international students. Uh, Yeah, and I feel like I get to meet other friends that they also feel the same way as me that they feel alone here but after making friends with them I get myself uh, back to speed and then I get connected with many people in here. Nice could you tell us a little bit about your life in Cambodia uh, compared to coming to um, Portland? Of course yes Um, I would say I was really introverted in Cambodia back home like I was pretty shy in the classroom. I sit in front of the class, but I didn't get to ask many questions. Um, A lot of, um, I would say a big difference here, professors and also friends, they really encouraged me to ask questions inside the classroom where I feel like, oh, if you have any questions, I should bring it up to the professor. Um, And PSU also like the class here have a lot of office hours where I go and meet uh, to talk with professors. But back home, uh, pretty rare that I emailed the professor. We didn't get to use email that much. I feel like first time I used Google Drive, Google, uh, like basically all this Gmail things when I got here. So that's a big difference uh, where I learned a lot <laughs> throughout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Um, I know. I don't, I'm not sure really Stephanie and I definitely don't, don't have a whole lot of experience with like um, being an international student. Um, I know something that I'm really wanting to do after I graduate next spring is I want to go get my master's degree in Paris. So I'll do like a study abroad kind of international student uh, education as well. But it's not definitely something that Stephanie and I are familiar with. So I guess uh, my question for you and something I'm really wanting and like interested in learning just for my personal uh, use as well as like, like, tell us a little about being an international student, kind of like, what are the struggles? Um, what are some things that you ran into and things that you were able to overcome? Um, did you have any doubts coming um, to PSU and being an international student? I'm just really curious because, you know, I probably have those same doubts with going to Paris too. <laughs> Totally, totally agree. Uh, Yeah, so first off, I would say the cultural difference. Um, Yeah, so uh, normally in Cambodia, the way we greet each other is just using the hand gestures, and we don't normally shake hands. I remember when I first got here to the uh, Intensive English Language Program, IELP, there's a professor come in and just shake my hands, and then try to ask what's my name, and that's not common in Cambodia. Uh, we, I was so shocked and I didn't introduce, introduce myself well. I didn't know what to say and then I feel that nerve still sticking to my mind right now. And then I could feel exactly when I do, uh, when I apply for a job later on um, as a conversation partner uh, in the IELP Learning Center, I welcome other international students uh, in, a, how to say, in a calm way, I would say don't try to like jump in and shake their hand right away so that's just something that um we didn't tend to think about it but for them they might get shocked so i would say that's the greeting part 
uh, would be the first thing. And then afterward, again, back to the office hours, I was encouraged by my friends. I first didn't have that feeling that I'll say that confident to go, but uh, one of my friends went there with me and we went and we do like a study group with the professor. Uh, and then I feel like, oh yeah, that's something I, I should come often and get more uh, experience from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so what made you choose coming to Portland versus any other university or any other state in mm-hmm. the United States? Yeah, so my story about that, um, to be honest, I have my aunt and my uncle also graduate from PSU, and they encouraged me to uh, join, uh, to how to say it, it's my first time study abroad. So I didn't have that much experience back then, besides just try to push myself out of my comfort zone to come and um, challenge myself in the, the US, I would say. And then uh, after the IUP program, I took uh, one business course at PSU and I want to see if I like it or not or how's the program going. But I met Madeline Parson. She was an amazing accounting professor. And after I got to take one accounting class with her, I keep building connect more connection with her. And then she um, guide me through the Belta Avasai. They have a lot of meetings and recruiting events, which I then was just sophomore year, but I got to connect already with professionals. Um, I started to network with them. And that's why like PSU has a strong a support for um, business students and especially for accounting as well. Uh, yeah, and then afterward I went to recruiting. I first also starting uh, to write my resume and cover letter. That was really a challenging part, I would say, <laughs> yeah. And then afterward, I also part of the um, School of Business Honors Program, where this is really amazing program for all business students that can come and connect. They're all from different majors, accounting, finance, uh, marketing, uh, what else? Supply chain management, and we get to do the teamwork. Uh, I have their um, group study and assignments together with them the whole year. So I feel like, oh, there's also another community that I can be a part of. And so then I feel like everywhere I go, I have the community that I can depend on them, uh, either um, like in accounting or in a business in general, and also uh, in the international group where I can just say hi to them anywhere I go. I definitely stress when I talk to anybody in the PSU realm, whether it's students, whether it's like prospective students, or even like talking to other people, just talking about PSU and telling them why I chose it. I always talk about like finding my community on campus was so, so very important to me. And unfortunately, I didn't like, you know, jump at the opportunity to get involved when I was a first year student in my freshman year. Um, And it actually took me until this last fall, fall of 2020, for me to truly get involved. Um, Because I also got, I'm actually a a School of Business Honors student as well. I just went through the cohort, um, or the junior cohort portion of it. And um, I loved being part of the School of Business Honors program. It truly has impacted my life in so many ways. And I definitely have found community there, just like how you have. Um, But there are so many opportunities to get involved on campus, like you were talking about with Beta Alpha Psi. Um, I've gotten involved with AMA Portland State, and I couldn't imagine where I would be now if I wasn't with it. Like, I was like, I keep thinking back, like, whoa, like, I truly have become a better person and surround myself around people who truly care about me and want to support me due to those connections I've made with getting involved. So I definitely can connect and relate with you in so many ways because of that. Um, And I guess, I'm just curious on like if there are any specific things that stood out to you with being connected in these student groups, like are there any events that you loved going to or I mean, I'm not sure how um, if you remember any any, like in person events or maybe how it's been different for you with virtual atmosphere because I know it was definitely hard for me to connect with people over the virtual atmosphere but um, it's 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 different but it's still really nice to connect with people here but I'm just curious on what your thoughts are about that. 
Yeah, so uh, again, like uh, I've been part of several programs and one programs that I want to point out at first here is the International Cultural Service Program with a scholarship program for international students, um, F1 visa. And um, over there, they have 20 members and each members represent different countries. And we always normally go out and do the request, do the event together activity, like going to do a presentations with um, through the Portland community, elementary schools, high schools uh, around Portland area. We also go out and uh, just do the work together cultural sharing um, a lot of things in Cambodia I got to share about the education also about the clothes um, there's food there's some dessert uh, event also at PSU as well in the Carl Miller Center so that time when people walk by I also get to to share about Cambodian dessert uh, it's it's just really fun that's the International Cultural Service Program and um, Yes, the, and the second one is the IELP, where I always go there and just say hi to the students. I mostly work there about five to six hours a week. Um, it's just a small amount, but they all we always have lunch together. Just missing about those time, it's, it's just really amazing. Um, the third program is the Cambodian Student Association. I am so surprised of I know that Cambodia is pretty small, but we have the Cam Cambodian Student Association here. We do cultural show um, and also with other um, international uh, cultural show as well. Uh, I also was part of the cultural, cultural chair um, at the CSA. Uh, I get to share my a little workshop, either traditional games, uh, the students from all our student associations just come in and just play games together. Uh, we also have some singing time, sharing also about the uh, the Khmer Rouge time, which is the worst uh, situation in Cambodia back in 1975 to 1979, which was really um, a horrible situation. But I feel like there's a space for us to share our history of Cambodia as well. So my question for you is, um... Did you transfer then as a as a sophomore? Did you start off right away as a freshman? Because I you I heard you mentioning that sophomore year you were really looking into re, um, doing your resume, doing cover letters, and all that. Mm -hmm. So um, and then you had all this community already. It feels like so. How long were you here at PSU? Um, I've been here for four years and a half now, uh, and I uh, after I finished my high school in Cambodia, I took. Uh, freshman and sophomore year back home and also in accounting major and then I transfer um, during my the end of sophomore year uh, and then I got here took about a year for me to study the English classes because my English back then was not that well and <laughs> I barely communicate with others so because of that program moving on um, I get to yeah feel like I should step out from my shelf to go out and ask yeah connected people mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i definitely can relate and being difficult to talk in english i'm also uh i'm bilingual fully spanish at home so even though i i was like raised here and known english but a lot of times i think in spanish and don't realize that i'm still thinking in spanish when i'm trying to communicate in english so how has that been for you like um, learning English throughout the way, and you you sound really good in English. So how has that that learning experience been for you? Yes, I would say this is an interesting fact too. The program that I first started, so they have a lot of international group. Like okay, there's Vietnamese group, um, Thai group, uh, Saudi Arabia or Chinese group. However, we don't have Cambodian international student that much. I would say only a few <laughs> I can count. Uh, and I, so then no matter what, I still need to use my, I need to use my little English to talk with others in like, you have no choice basically. That's why I keep pushing myself, even though I speak with my Thai friends, I still need to use my English because I don't know Thai. Uh, and the same thing happened to me a little bit by a little bit and then um, I still keep conversation with my mom in Khmer 
uh, and sometimes I tend to forget my the way I use kmai right now, which some words and some technical words that I cannot use and I need to explain back to my mom. Uh, but I, I can feel Stephanie about that. Um, I'm I still using I'm still using my Khmer language to translate sometimes, but most likely um, since I use it in a professional way, academic way, and also just for fun with my friends, I keep using my uh, using English the whole time in here. So that just keep me um, still speaking English the whole time. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I can't imagine um, how hard it would be to, you know, come to, to Portland, uh, barely speaking English, and then like truly, you know, dedicating yourselves to, to learning English. Um, I have a hard enough time trying to learn French as it is. I, I am definitely not bilingual, even though I desperately wish that I could be. Um, um, my family is actually um, primarily German, and I know very, very little of German. I probably know the basics on like, you know, how to say my name, you know, how to introduce myself, say my age, where I'm from, you know, the basic stuff they teach you in high school. Um, and I've tried so hard, so hard to try to learn another language, but you know, it's definitely not as easy as it seems that it might be. So uh, hats off to you. And especially like Stephanie said, you sound great, like great <laughs> for, for all of that. So that's amazing. Um, I guess, I guess I'm just, you know, pretty gobsmacked that you've been, uh, you speak such so well, just for the fact that you've only been learning it for a couple of years. So that's amazing. Um, I guess something I'm curious about was just like, you did mention that you, that you had a job lined up, right? So how long do you plan on staying in the United States? Um, currently, uh, I'm applying for the OPT, the um, optional practical uh, training, uh, where for international student after uh, we graduate from the business program, we allowed to work in the US for one year, uh, and which that was I'm planning to. Um, however, also the company will uh, thinking about the work visa afterward, so I'm also not sure about that. I have another plan as well going to master programs which I'm still exploring. I get to connect with um, different advisors at PSU to talk over those um, amazing programs we have. Also the uh, MSF, Master of Science in Finance, uh, of Finance. And also I'm thinking about the MBA as well, which I'm still debating myself, um, still talking to um, different advisors in here. Yeah, so that's just my plan so far. and. Since I got to the U.S. for four years and a half, I haven't got to visit Cambodia yet, which I am really, really homesick right now. <sighs> yeah, that is a really hot situation, but I, I'll, I'll do my best right now. Yeah, I imagine um, I couldn't um, I couldn't even think about being away from my parents for that long. How is being separated from your family for this long been for you? Um, the biggest takeaway, I would say, living a long distance with a family, there's a good and bad side, but the, the good side, I would say the, the relationship becomes stronger to me. Back home, when I live with them, most likely I just go to school um, and then came back and then just done. Sometimes they just had their lunch before, their dinner before I got home. So most likely we... Um, have uh, that had different um, timeline but then when I got here right now we call each other every morning the minute they woke up they just call me and we and we basically need to talk every single morning of their morning which is our 4 p.m um, sometime I'm done my work so I get to talk with them I can see a lot of improvement with the relationships sometimes they um, have some problems at home they even with their business, they start to talk to me or what's going on, they're willing to share. And basically they know everything about me applying for, even though they don't understand that much, but I keep telling them again and again until they totally understand my situation. Um, I'm also doing um, the CPA exam, Certified Public Accounting. And they first don't know about that as well, but I keep mentioning again and it's hard like this. And then, 
until now they know what is CPA and they know what is Ernst and Young EY um, and they just know a lot of technical stuff that I <laughs> share with them. So I feel, yeah, still the feeling is still there, but I really want to see them in person, especially because of COVID. Sometimes I feel like I really need to spend this time with the family and not like too far away because time just keep going and I just don't know when I get to be with them again. Yeah. I guess that was going to be my exact same question. Like, do you know when you're going to see, like physically be able to see your family again? I am planning to visit next year, which for sure will be next year. Cambodia COVID situation also not going well as well. Uh, we have some vaccines going on, but um, the effective still not um, there yet. So I really, really hope to see them. Or else they need to come here visit me. They was planning to to come to my graduation four years ago. Was they planning to? Like they must come for my graduation. And then it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, that might have been super difficult. Um, so would, were they able to watch you virtually graduate? I, yes. Um, I was selected to be one of the multicultural uh, speakers where I had a two minute speech and I called to them like the, the minute they live the video. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't listen. They didn't understand, but they can feel the energy that I, I yeah, I talk, yeah. So it, it's amazing. Could you potentially, or or I'm maybe you did, um, potentially translate it for them in their language so that they could understand what you were saying? Yes, yes, definitely. My grandma also uh, couldn't speak English, and I need to translate them to them a couple of times. We have one, one, one for my mom, one for my grandma, and one for my other grandma. Three times translation. So, but sometimes the way I translate. Um, so the other thing is well, as well, we do not have much direct conversation, direct communication, I would say, for example, like, oh, I love you, mom, or I'm so proud, like the way these kind of word, when we translate in our language, I tend to cry. <laughs> like, it's just so emotional. And it's not common for us to say like this at all. Even the word I love you, um, just to my parents. But um, I just said, I love them. I love you in, in English. <laughs> Because when we say in Khmer, basically, it's just so too emotional to say that. I'm not sure if that makes sense to other people. No, I can totally relate in my, well, at least in my household, yeah. um, there's two types of uh, I love you, like the I like you version and the I love you type of thing. Mm -hmm. But in my family, we're not too emotionally or affectionate. Like we don't, we don't say like, hey mom, I love you or give them a hug randomly <laughs> or on our birthdays, we don't like overreact and with love and caring, but we know we love each other. We just not to, yeah. we don't show it. So mm -hmm. I can definitely relate to how you're saying it. And then it, I feel like for us in English saying I love you is more common. Like we just, we can just be like, love you. But in Spanish, um, it's te amo, and that's just too much. We're just like, no, we, we can stick to the English version of that. True, true, yeah. That's so interesting because, and I, I guess my household's very, very, very English, very American. I mean, my, my parents are super, super affectionate towards myself and my brother. I have a younger brother who's 17. Um, I grew up all my life, my parents telling me every single day that they love me. I mean... I it's 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 really weird but like I never like get off of a conversation like even on the phone talking to my parents I never end a conversation without telling them that I love them um anything and then there's like friends that are like have like have phone calls with their like their parents and then they don't say I love you at the end of it I always ask them I said you didn't say I love you to your parents and they're like yeah. Why? And I said, that could be the last time you hear your parents' voice and you didn't tell them you love them, which I know is so, so very harsh, but I always think about that. And I think one of my biggest fears in life is that like, I'm going to, I'm going to like lose one of my family members and 
and them have like this like um, tragic accident or something like that. And like the last thing I said to them wasn't that I loved them um, because in my household, like I love you means so, so much. And I guess, and I guess that's just the beauty of having different households is that um, different things have different meanings to them. And I think that's, that's something super uh, interesting when you guys are talking about and like you guys can relate on that. And I was just like, man, I literally cannot go without telling my parents that I love them every day. Like it just, it'd be weird for me not to weird for me. Cause it's such like a, it sounds terrible, but it's like a habit for me. Like I just, every single time I love you, mom, see you later. Bye. Love you. It's every single time. Or like my dad just came home from lunch a little bit ago. And like, I had to tell him I loved him before he went out the door. Like it's just constant. I mean, I don't know. I, I can you guys relate to that? <laughs> um I would try I would say <laughs> but I totally understand that um the way that they care it's more asking um of how, how, I'm, how I'm doing today or what did I do or like all the details stuff so yeah yeah same with us or like offering cutting up fruit and giving notes to us like hey this is a piece of food that I made for you because I love and appreciate you like we know, and with my siblings too, like an insult sometimes means I love you versus like saying like, hey, I love you. But uh, that's just the way how we grew up and my parents too, and with their childhood, that's the way they grew up. And it's not in all households, but I feel like a lot of times with that dad and daughter connection, that's usually how it is in, in like the Hispanic culture at least. You learn something new every single day, I guess. <laughs> right? Right. I love that. Man, that is so interesting. Now I'm going to like have a conversation with my parents tonight about it. And I'm just going to like pick their brain about how they feel about it. And that's something that I, I guess while we're on the topic of talking about like families and our relationship with our families, like I, my parents are my best friends. Like I couldn't imagine life without them. Um, I don't even want to think about living a life without them, honestly. And like my, my parents and I have like conversations, even like we have difference of opinions and like, like, uh, politics and a lot of things. And we have constructive conversations about a lot. I mean, and if I learn something new in school or I hear something, uh, interesting, like kind of like this conversation we're having now, like I talk to my parents about them and I have that conversation thing. Oh, what do you think about it? Like, let's have a conversation about it, um, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and I think that's something that people, um, maybe not just with their parents, but people should start doing uh, and like having conversations with their friends, with people who are close to them, having conversations with international students to learn more about um, their experiences and those differences that we have between each other. Um, and I guess that just sparks a question for me, for you, um, Panna, like, like what type of conversations have you had with people on campus about like your views and the differences between our culture and your culture? Have you um, had any conversations about, um, I don't know, teaching other people about your culture and having them understand where you come from and um, those different things that separate um, the two cultures that you're in currently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... I, my first job um, actually is also answered the previous question of like, how can I keep my English conversation going? Um, it was from the conversation partner job where my manager gave me the chance of talking one-on-one -on -one with international students where they also struggling with the English, where I am also struggling with my English. So we will like partner up. Um, they have made an appointment with me and we got to talk um, with basically one-on-one -on -one, about 30 minutes um and sometimes I got booked like the whole three hours with talking with like six students and sometimes I was running out of topic as well but every time I meet them the conversation just keep going even though we just talk about food their way of making even Thai food and Cambodian food um the way people think might be similar but after we talk about the ingredients and the way that we we eat sometimes we have that slightly different and i start to learn of like sharing um showing some pictures and some ingredients or sometimes my grandma cooked something from home and then i brought it to the workshop that i have hosted um i think three and a half years ago in the um ilp learning center where i shared 
the cultural uh, Cambodian cultural, I also invited two others. Um, Cambodians uh, international student. Back then we have two other international students. Uh, I was so excited to gather them together and share uh, just about the way that we eat, um, also education and also the the chroma, which is this Cambodian scav that um, it's a bit unique from our country as well. So that is something that I, I try to gather people around and also share through that community um, in wherever I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So would you say a big topic of conversation is around food? Uh, yes. Yeah. So sometimes food is really interesting, though. <laughs> yeah, we I, talk, I also talk about geography as well. Uh, there's a map in our program, and I tend to ask members, like, where is Cambodia located? And then they was like struggling around Asia and then couldn't find where it is. And then I give them a hint that, oh, it's near Thailand and Vietnam. And then they definitely find Cambodia. And I will sometimes feel like, huh, people know Thailand and Vietnam pretty well, but Cambodia is just in the middle between. <laughs> that is another uh, fun start. I always tend to start the conversation and then it's just keep going. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, uh, like I kind of pointed out previously, my uh, my my family heritage is primarily German, um, and so I grew up with my my grandma was uh, born in Germany and was full blooded German, quote unquote. And uh, I grew up like watching her cook and like eating the meals. And our family was one hundred percent surrounded around food. Um, so I thought that was super cool. And you pointed that out, like how, when you're talking to other international students, you talk about different spices, different mm -hmm. ways that you prepare food. Um, and I think that is something, uh, cool to talk about because there is so many difference differences in, uh, the food and the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ways that you prepare things throughout the globe. I know, um, in uh, German culture or Bavaria, um, which is where my grandmother's from, a lot of the, f you eat a lot of food. <laughs> like there's always so much food on the table and it's a lot of meat. It's a lot of cheeses. It's a lot of pastries. It's a lot of fresh bread. And I mean, when I went to Germany after I graduated from high school, I got to, I got the chance to go there for about a month with, to like visit my family. It was amazing. I feel like I gained like 10 pounds just of how much food I was eating and how much like sweets I was eating. And I think that is honestly, uh, the beauty about going other places and learning different cultures is especially the food. I feel like you get so much out of just, you know, having, um, having some, a rice that's in like like, like uh, a Mexican rice and like actually getting it in Mexico compared to like going to Germany and getting fresh bread from the bakery. Like it's, it doesn't, it's not the same. It really isn't the same here in United States. So, I mean, I, I have kind of been broadening my horizons of the things that I eat and like, you know, exploring different cultures of food and it's inspiring, honestly. So I would love to hear a couple of like meals that you like to eat and maybe you can give us some recommendations. <laughs> Cool, cool. Yeah, so um, I couldn't find the uh, Cambodian restaurant in here. There's one in Northeast Portland, uh, but I really want to go to San Francisco, California to try a lot of like Cambodian restaurant over there. Uh, would love to try one day, haven't been there yet. But we have, I would say the concept of um, fur in Vietnam. So we have that kind of Gui Tiêu uh, noodles. Gui Tiêu Phnom Penh, we call Gui Tiêu Phnom Penh. Gui Tiêu means noodle and Phnom Penh is the city of Cambodia. And every morning in Cambodia, me and my brothers and my family, we always go to eat Gui Tiêu Phnom Penh uh, with the soup and also the, we call Chak Huai, which is the breadstick. Um, it's a different type of, of French breadstick. It's uh, how to say this? It's hard to describe in words, but uh, mostly if you show the pictures, yeah, searching up for breadsticks in Cambodia. Uh, there's always some dipping with the soup, and that's just really my best meal in the morning, I would say. Yeah. So culturally in Cambodia, do you guys eat three meals a day too? Or how many how many meals does it um do y'all usually eat? 
normally we don't go out to eat mostly if you stay with family um my mom mostly cooks and we eat three meals a day breakfast uh lunch and dinner time uh, however for breakfast sometimes we just go out like for the street food and just grab a little bit for the breakfast or sometimes i also eat bread a stem sandwich but in lunchtime, I need to go back home to eat. Um, and that's also interesting too. Uh, School-wise, you're not like going out um, to school for one day and eat, eat lunch at school. Mostly you have to come back home and get some lunch and then you're going to go back to school in the afternoon. Uh, most likely that's our culture, not bringing a lot of lunchbox. Only if you study in like private school, really far away, but it's pretty rare that you go out for one whole day and not coming home during lunchtime. Uh, yeah, but that's what we normally do. And I barely eat out for some reason. <laughs> no, yeah, that's in Mexico too. Um, all the students, uh, they come back home and eat or the moms go and take them fresh lunch. Um, that's sweet. And then they eat there. And as well as workers, all the husbands come back and eat during lunchtime and then they go back to work. Or if somebody has like a store, they close the store from one to two hours. Like let's say usually it's from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. that they close. And then everybody knows that it's closed because it's lunchtime and then come back when they open up. So yeah, we can relate a little bit on that too. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I know when I was in Germany, um, Something interesting that my family, my family does is not really into breakfast, or at least like my immediate family, like my brother, myself, and my parents, we don't eat breakfast really. We never sit down as a family and have breakfast unless it's like a special occasion, like we're camping or something like that, or it's a Saturday and mom wants to make pancakes kind of a thing. Um, but in Germany, breakfast was the biggest meal of the day. I mean, you, I mean, the entire table was filled with fresh bread, cheeses, I mean, peanut butter, Nutella. And I will tell you the Nutella tastes better in Germany than it does here. I will say it, it tastes so much richer, <laughs> um, but it had all these amazing things you could eat at breakfast and you were like stuffed by the time it was like, you know, 10 o'clock. And then they don't really eat lunch in Germany. They don't. And so breakfast and dinner are kind of the biggest things but like dinner isn't really a thing either so it's almost like a a liner <laughs> if you would call it it's kind of like you know you have breakfast and it's huge and you eat so much that you just like burn all the calories throughout the rest of the day and then like maybe like three four o'clock then you go get food and it's nothing super big either um but I guess uh, I don't know Pavaria it's I guess they are bigger dishes and it's a it's very like carb loaded, carb loaded dishes. Like I'm talking breads beyond belief <laughs> and I'm talking like potatoes and really, really like salty meat. <laughs> and so that was really interesting. I mean, I, I love the breakfasts, but I was like, it was really hard to eat that much food in the morning when I literally never eat breakfast, honestly. Like I don't eat breakfast or like what you would consider breakfast until like 12 o'clock. So like I ate at 12. So I've only had stuff in my system for 44 minutes. So yeah. I can tell, definitely relate on skipping breakfast, but in back in Mexico, um, we usually um, stay on my dad's side of the family um, to like sleep and everything. So in the morning, my grandma, like bright and early, she goes like out at six in the morning, goes get fresh, fresh milk, fresh bread, fresh everything. And then by like eight, we all have to be like eating breakfast. Sometimes my sisters and I would be sleeping in. But then once we would wake up, breakfast would be ready. And then at 12, it's a lunch, but it's not really their lunch. They call it something else. And you eat like, I, I call it a lunch because that's really what we eat for lunch out here with my parents. And then at three, four, like two to three or two to four type of thing, that's when their lunch actually begins. And then that's um, lunchtime. And then dinner time, it's like around six, seven, eight p.m. And then before bed, they also have like a snack. So they usually have coffee again and or milk with bread. So the amount of times I ate out there was insane. Like, let's say I would have here back here at home three tortillas with my grandma. If I didn't eat like eight tortillas, she would be mad at me. 
So you had you had to eat so much out there, but it's so weird because you're constantly walking out there that it de- like it fills you up. But then by the time the next like lunchtime, I guess is you're already like you're okay to eat. Like you're not full anymore. So you're like okay, yeah, let's eat. But yeah, it's it's so weird because out here too with my family when we were younger we would all eat together, eat, have breakfast, have dinner. But then as we got older, we don't we just don't have the time or the availability to do it all together except for weekends. And out there, no matter your age, they're always eating together. So yeah, it's it's definitely different. Also, maybe the lesson also it's about. Learning your mom's recipe before you move out, <laughs> because I really miss my mom's food. Yeah, my dad so so yeah. much. So like my my grandmother, who is my dad's mom, passed away uh, my freshman year of high school, um, and my grandmother taught my mom all the meals that she that my dad grew up like uh, eating. Um, and they're all these traditional Bavarian dishes, these German dishes, and my mom learned how to make them. And my dad like just keeps on like, you know, hinting like, hey, you know, you should really learn those recipes. Like you've been watching your mom do these for a while. You should know them. Miranda, you should you should really, you know, cook with your mom more often. And I'm like, dad, I don't have the time to cook with mom. Um, but I will say I do. I do know quite a few dishes or like, like I said, I've been helping my mom cook since I was a little girl or helping my grandma cook since I was a little girl. But I don't know. As soon as he said that, it like sparked my mind, just like my dad's voice in the back of my head was saying, Rinda, make sure you know the recipes so that when your mom no longer can teach them to you, you know how to make them. (laughs) I don't know if any of you guys have been told that, but I have. Definitely. In my culture too, you're supposed to like learn how to cook and everything before you leave the house. But uh, my mom, she's always like, you need to learn. And I'm just like, okay, teach me. She's like, no, you have to learn on your own. And it's just like, how am I going to learn if you're always the one cooking? And then it's funny too, because my, um, I guess my grandmas don't necessarily know how to cook. My mom's side, um, for some reason, all of a sudden she forgot how to cook. So she doesn't really cook. It's now my aunts that cook for her. And then my dad's mom, since she was, she's more indigenous, um because she moved eventually to like the city out in Mexico so she was indigenous so my dad was actually talking about it yesterday how she would only um she was basically vegetarian so he doesn't know out of when he became like he she started eating meat and I was like yeah when I was out there because my mom lived with her for like a year or two she's like she would only do like vegetarian meals so I don't know when like she transitioned into eating all these like meat stuff and then my dad's like yeah and then so my grandma didn't teach my mom what my dad liked either so my mom just started like when they moved out here she just started cooking inventing all these things and then when we went back to Mexico for the first time we're like as a family my grandma's like when did you learn how to like eat all this if I never made this for you and my dad's like well well she made it for me so I had to eat something but yeah it's 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 difficult it's different but who knows when I'm going to learn how to fully cook. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, Stephanie, I'm just curious, what's the meal that like your mom keeps telling you, like, you must learn this meal? Well, uh, honestly, there isn't one, but one that I personally really want to learn is the, like the most famous dish from Oaxaca, which is in mole, like this um, sauce that you put on like either chicken or pork or just um, rice if you don't want to eat meat type of thing. But it's this sauce, and it's really famous and well-known in Oaxaca. If you search it up, you just do Oaxaca Mole, M-O-L-E, and, like, that's that's your signature dish there. Yeah. What about you, Panna? I would say, again, still that Kutil Phnom Penh. That is, like, a one famous thing and I still haven't learned how to cook the soup because the broth takes hours, at least two or three hours to make it. And most broth like takes hours to make it because it's just coming out from uh, the pork meat. Yeah, so it's really hard to, to make that. It's complicated, but I really need to ask her how to make it. Yeah. I think there is my favorite meal of all time 
Um, and my grandma started making it when I was 10. And every single year for my birthday, I've had this meal for the last 10 years of my life, every single year. And my mom has kept it going since my grandmother passed away when I was 15. So it's been, it's like so ingrained in my, in my head. Like I know the ingredients, but I just don't know how to actually make it. Um, but it's something, it's a dish called Luladen canoodle and green bean salad. Um, I probably can make the green bean salad up by myself. Um, I know how to make the canoodle. I don't feel like I would know how to actually like, you know, uh, like I know how to put it together, <laughs> but I don't actually how to cook it. And then the roulade is the, like the hardest part. It's like, um, it's basically marinated beef. And then it has all these seasonings, all these veggies in the middle of them. And then you roll it up and then you stew it. And then the gravy is just like, you know, the, the most important part of it too. And it's like getting everything right because if a single spice is off, like it doesn't taste right. And um, I've never tried to cook it by myself just because I, I'm too afraid to mess it up, too afraid to mess it up. And then, you know, cook it for my family. And then they're all like little critics, like little like, look at everything. You get in my magnifying glass, make sure everything looks perfect. They're, they're that type of family. My dad, my dad will like critique everything. My mom makes everything. There's not enough salt in this. I'll make it saltier for you next time, honey, that type of thing. And I'm just so afraid of the criticism. I've never tried making it. Interesting about the criticism. My dad mostly is not the one who cooks, but my mom's cooked. But most of the tricky food that we never made in our house before, my, my dad gave instructions. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> you never cook, but you give a lot of steps. Oh, this is should do this and should do that. And then my mom's like, are you the one who cooking? <laughs> I'm like, um, <laughs> but, but he gives a reasonable ways of like, um, the way of we can cook and we can create a new recipe, something like that. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. But um, anyway, moving forward from all the food and all the cooking and everything, is there anything else you want to let us know or just anything, anything really? Um, all right. So I would say um, giving some message to other international students and also uh, students at PSU as well. Um, I really encourage everyone to just don't think of how much okay backtrack sorry <laughs> i would say the biggest takeaway that i would give to uh, international students and also psu students as well so um it's like you never know how much you can do or how much you can succeed in one thing or even though how strong you are until you actually um step out from your comfort zone and seriously doing it because I remember while do, while I do something for example applying for jobs I never never expect that I could get a job in the U.S. if we say that word it's just too big for me to to say oh I, I'm, I'm working right now or I'm working on campus job but I got encouraged from my friends as well um, that they believe in me of just try to apply, which is my first job as a conversation partner. I said, oh, I don't know how to speak with other students, um, things like that. But after you apply and you got the interview process and the manager also know a little bit about us, about me um, doing uh, good in academic classes uh, and everything. And then they believe in me and I really appreciate them that they give me that first door for me to go out there and just do the work and if I'm struggling I make mistakes I just learn from it and then move on because nothing um, bad happened but we feel bad ourselves that oh I, I shouldn't do this but if you didn't do one thing wrong you never get it right so just do it and then I uh, afterward I apply for the scholarship program and that's just another big thing too if you say I get a scholarship here, um, that's not happening. But I reached out to help. I went to touring center. I took it seriously applying one job. The deadline is due all the way to May, but I started my application since 
five, six months beforehand. When I talk with other people right now, it's like, oh, wow, that's way early. You don't need to start that early. But I don't know what to do. I reach out to several people before I apply. I went to the touring center to ask and review my applications. Basically, I know my grammar was bad. So recheck them many like 10 tutors if you could imagine only three essays and afterward i also did an interview uh with the the program to to be able to get in and i also practiced those with the tutors many friends and they finally narrowed it down to just five minutes presentation which was hard for me to speak in front of the interviewers there were like five six people but after i practiced that i can see yes i can do it and then i did it i luckily got in so from then i just keep moving myself afterward as well just keep applying for the jobs and then i also got the tutoring position um, in the carl miller center um, accounting tutor where I also never imagined that I could share a little of my knowledge from my class to the peers. And then I finally got a chance to share with them, which I am so happy. Even I got, I get um, to help them a little bit, but I can see at least I um, help them out of their struggling in that point in time, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and having this conversation. I mean, it's been very inspiring and very eye-opening for me. Um, I'm definitely going to have that conversation with my parents uh, when they get home today. Um, but thank you again so much for joining us on this episode. Um, we really appreciate you being one of our guests for this third season. Um, and yeah, uh, we hope that you have a great rest of your day and we hope that you continue to share your story and your journey with everyone else and and we hope that, oh, and also, uh, I don't even know why we didn't say this, but again, congratulations on graduating your undergrad. That's an amazing accomplishment. But anyway, this wraps up this episode and we will see you guys later. Thank you so much. Hey, and thank you for listening to the third season of the Top Business Company podcast sponsored by the Portland State School of Business and brought to you by Stephen, Stephanie, and Marinda. Keep listening to hear from our amazing guests this